Welcome to Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Our host is Aaron David Free, president of Israel Team Advocates International. Aaron is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and an advocate for Israel and the Jewish people on college campuses nationwide. This is Israel and You. Hello and welcome to Israel and You. Israel and You is a radio podcast voice of Israel Team Advocates. Israel Team is standing against the growing tide of anti-Semitism on American colleges and universities throughout our country. There's this rise of uh, Jewish hatred that's happening right before our eyes. And if you're a lover of Israel, we would love to have you on the team. Uh, You can go to our Facebook page, Israel Team Advocates, and follow us there. You can follow us on our website, israelteam.org. It's an educational website. There's videos, articles. We discuss issues of anti-Semitism, the state of Israel, Hebraic concepts like family meal, why that's so important. You can subscribe free to our podcast on these and other platforms, Apple, Amazon Music, Google, Spotify, and Stitcher. Today we're going to talk about on this program the Jewish Hebraic concept of chutzpah. I want you to say that with me, chutzpah. Uh, it's a Yiddish word uh, that comes from actually a Hebrew word. It simply means a bold and brazen tenacity, a shameless nerve, bold persistence and perseverance and relentless diligence. Uh, it means audacity and gall. You've probably heard the word chutzpah before. Uh, does the Bible talk about the necessity to express chutzpah, brazen, fearless tenacity in the face of impending doom? I think we have all had to reach down, especially the last year in this pandemic, reach deep into the well of our faith and draw out some raw nerve. We've had to all pivot and recalibrate our lives, change our business plans, make some halftime adjustments. We've had to think outside the box, and most importantly, cry out to God in the midst of this crisis with a brand new dependence on Him for help when many of us have come to our wit's end in the midst of a worldwide pandemic. Does God want us to lift up our prayer request by adding a dash of Jewish chutzpah? Does God want us to come to him with a faith filled with chutzpah, bold and brass, shameless nerve, when we make our request known to him? We're going to talk about the kind of chutzpah it will take to not only survive in times of crisis, but also to thrive through times of crisis. And before we jump into this great topic of chutzpah, say, say it again with me, chutzpah, I want to give you a quick update of a news event that happened uh, recently in Duxbury, Massachusetts. Last week in Duxbury, uh, Massachusetts, the high school football coach was fired because he was using anti-Semitic language in his play calls. Think of it. To give his players directions from the sidelines, he audibly shouted words like Auschwitz. You heard that right. Auschwitz was the Nazi extermination camp that murdered over one million Jewish men, women, and children. Another play call phrase the coach employed was Holocaust. The Holocaust, of course, was the systematic annihilation of six million Jews during World War II, and in my estimation, the greatest atrocity in human history. Other audible calls favored by the coach were Hitler, Rabbi, 
and gas chamber, we could say that the coach's soul lacks a conscience and close the case. But there's something deeper here, more sinister at play, I believe, for a community leader to audibly spew his hate, fill disregard for Jews in a public setting, he would have had to believe, wrongfully, thank goodness, that no one would have cared, that his audience would have just thought he was being clever and remain silently indifferent to his grotesque anti-Semitism. The good citizens of Duxbury courageously locked arms, Jews and non-Jews alike, and collectively proclaimed, not in our city. In the break, uh, in the middle of the program today, I'm going to talk to you about the rise of anti-Semitism and a project that Israel team is is uh, involved in that I need your help to make successful. So now we're going to jump into this wonderful topic of chutzpah. Say it again with me, chutzpah. What, what is it? Well, the problem with prayer, I believe, is God. And if you look with me in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says this, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And Jesus said unto them, When you pray, say this, Our Father, Abba in Hebrew, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is being done in heaven. There's lots of Yiddish words that I grew up with. I was raised by my Jewish grandmother, and she spoke Yiddish. There's words like Yiddish akop, which means Jewish head. Uh, if I was studying, she would always say rubus tukus, which means sit your rear end down in the chair and don't move until you finish your homework, rubus tukus. Uh, the word schlep, You've heard that before. Uh, it means to carry something around. I'm, I'm schlepping these boxes. Uh, kvetch, which, which means to complain. So chutzpah is also a Hebrew word that has been utilized in Yiddish. And it simply means shameless nerve, bold, unyielding brashness. When my son was little, little Nathan, he would say, Dad, I'm hungry. And he would keep pestering me and pestering me until I would get up and make him something to eat. I'm, I'm his father, and I was responsible to meet his needs as a young child. And he, he knew that I loved him, and I would do anything for him. And when he had hunger pains as a little boy, he would come to his dad, and he would exercise his chutzpah. And he wouldn't give up. Dad, I'm hungry. Dad, I'm hungry. Make me something to eat. He wouldn't give up until I would get up and make him something to eat. So it all depends on what your perception of God is. If he's an uncaring, aloof, unapproachable, angry, and uncaring father, you probably would have gone to the refrigerator. Nathan would have just gone to the refrigerator and made a peanut butter sandwich for himself and fed himself. He would be afraid to bother me if I was an uncaring father. But he knew that I was uh, focused on you know, healthy family meals and balanced meals, and eating just uh, a peanut butter sandwich wouldn't be good enough for my, my son. And so Nathan knew that 
his father wanted the best for him, and so he's going to pester me until I gave him what he needed. He used his chutzpah. One time he lost his shoe, and he was looking all over his bedroom for his little shoe, and he came to me crying, and he said, Dad, I've lost my shoe. And I said, Nathan, let's, let's bow down here in, the, in, the, in your bedroom and take a knee, and let's pray because the Father in heaven is concerned about lost shoes. And so we prayed, and lo and behold, soon after we found his shoe, and that taught my son a lesson that, that God's not an uncaring father. He's not unapproachable. He's a God that cares about missing shoes and when we're desperate and we cry out, he's going to help us in our time of need. So the problem with prayer sometimes can be God. It's, it's your uh, view of God. How you view God determines uh, the level of the faith in your prayers. Does God care about missing shoes? Or is he an absent father, unapproachable? Is he angry? Don't bother me with that trivial you know, things like missing shoes. Is God like the missing father that doesn't pay child support? Is that how you view God? And how did Jesus define God? How did Jesus view God? And so Jesus was a, a man of prayer. He was a, he was a, a, a God that used chutzpah in his prayer. Jesus, the Son of God, when he came to his father, he used chutzpah 65 times in the synoptics. Uh, the word father is used. A hundred times in the book of John, uh, the name father is used. And so uh, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. So Jesus is the way to show us and bring us to the father. And when Jesus called upon his father, he called Abba, which means Papa, Daddy. I remember when I was pastoring a church, I would stand in the front row, you know, during our worship services, and there was a, a Jewish man that would stand behind me. His name was Joe. And when Joe worshiped God, he, was, he would say, Papa, Daddy, Abba, I love you. That taught me such a great lesson. Here's a man that viewed God as his Papa, as his Daddy. And, and Joe had such chutzpah, he had such brash tenacity when he prayed. In Mark 14 verse 36 it Jesus cried out Abba Father all things are possible for you so a father figure was of great significance in a Hebrew family the the father uh, had dignity and authority and honor and he was loving and caring uh, towards his family towards his children towards his wife the parable of the prodigal son uh, it really should have been called the parable of the prodigal of the the caring and loving father because that father was waiting uh, for his son to hit the edge of town because he knew according to Jewish law that when that boy came back from being the prodigal son living in a far off land and eating with the pigs he had taken an early inheritance he had dishonored his his father. And so the townspeople, according to Jewish law, a son that dishonored his father should be stoned. And so that father was waiting on the front porch. And when he saw his son from a long way off, he ran towards him and embraced him and kissed him to show all the, the village that the son had been uh, reconciled to his father and not to touch him, to leave him alone. And so it was a loving father that, that saved his son. And so here in Luke chapter 11, verse 2, Jesus says, here's how you should pray. 
our Father, our Abba. So 165 times in the, in the Gospels, we see this name Father. We see God seen as a Father. Great theologians of our day, when they pray, sometimes they'll say, Oh, our great, omnipotent, omnipresent God of the vast universe. Uh, it seems that they see God as this, this austere, distant uh, God. In the Sistine Chapel, it's almost an austere God we see in, in the artwork in that chapel. But I firmly believe that the most hindrance to our prayer of faith is how we view God. The problem of prayer is God. And if you stop and think about it uh, for one minute, God is the most joyful being in the universe. He's the most generous being in the universe. He's the most loving being in the universe. And think of the most beautiful sight you've ever seen. Uh, For me, uh, sights I've seen in my life, the Grand Canyon, one of the most beautiful sights I've seen, or the California coast, the Rocky Mountains, or Table Mountain in Cape Town, South Africa, just wonderful sights. God sees those scenes every day from every vantage point, and millions of other scenes and billions of other worlds. The Bible talks about worlds without end. Think of our national parks. Think of uh, the Grand Canyon, the vast expanse of the Grand Canyon. God made it in six days, and he said it's, it's very good. So God is a, a being that lives with extreme joy. I think when we get to heaven, one of the first things the Father is going to ask is, did you enjoy my Alps? Did you enjoy all these marvelous things that I made for your enjoyment to fill you with joy? A reporter who looked through the Hubble Space Telescope had this to stay. Towering clouds of gases trillions of miles high, backlit by nuclear fires and newly forming stars, galaxies cartwheeling into collision and spending explosive shock waves billowing through millions of light years of time and space. These things are before God's eyes every day. These are just the fringes of his ways. Yet God chooses to reveal all of his glory, his person, his love, his mercy in his son Jesus. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. So when I see in the Synoptic Gospels 165 times where the name Father is used, I see Paul crying out, Abba, Father. I realize that God the Father doesn't just like me, he loves me. So when we get to the other side of the break, we're going to continue to speak about this wonderful word, chutzpah, uh, a great faith in, in crying out to God for the things that we need in this life. See you on the other side. Recently, my wife Sharon and I went to the Jewish Film Festival and we viewed a film entitled A City Without Jews. It was based on a book by the Jewish writer Hugo Bater back in 1922. And he wrote about a fictitious city, which was actually Vienna, Austria, and said that uh, the Jews were being forced and persecuted out of the city and driven on trains. And 14 years later, uh, it actually happened. Uh, Hitler came in and he drove all the Jews from Vienna 
into the death camps. The next morning after we viewed this film, my wife said to me, I wonder what our city would be like without Jews. And as we compared notes, we realized that the Jewish community had done so much to bless our city. It was a Jewish philanthropist that built the cancer center. Uh, the universities in town were largely uh, funded by the Jewish community. The arts and museums were funded by the Jewish community. And so Israel team, based on this whole concept of honoring our Jewish friends uh, in our city, uh, we're establishing this program called A Night to Honor the Jewish People and Israel. Our first event will be Cottage Hill Baptist Church on April 26th in Mobile, Alabama. Coach Bruce Pearl, head men's basketball coach of Auburn University, will be the keynote speaker. And then in Auburn, Alabama, on April 29th at 7 p.m. at Lakeview Baptist Church, again, Coach Pearl will be the keynote speaker. You can help us in these events to provide security and protection for the Jewish community that will be attending, you can go to israelteam.org and for a gift of $25 or more, we'll send you our book, Two Minute Warning, that I co-wrote with Coach Bill McCartney of Promise Keepers. This book talks about three coming revolutions coming to our world based on Israel. Go to israelteam.org. That's the donate section at israelteam.org. This is Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Hey, welcome back to Israel and You, and we're talking today about this wonderful Jewish concept of chutzpah. It's a Hebrew word, also used in Yiddish, and it simply means brash tenacity. And so when we go to God in prayer, it really depends on our concept of God in the way that we pray. And so when I see the word Father 165 times in the Synoptic Gospel, when I, I read Paul the Apostle, who says that when he prays, he cries out, Abba, Father, I realize God the Father doesn't just like me, he loves me. He's not a miserable monarch that's billions and billions of miles away from my need. He's not like an absent dad who could care less about my empty stomach. Uh, he's a God that we call Abba. He's a God that we call Papa or Daddy. Uh, when Jacob had the vision of the ladder uh, going up and down into heaven with angels, he said, God lives here. I've stumbled into his home. This is the awesome entrance to heaven. And so for Jacob, heaven wasn't just some faraway place. It was right there, close by. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is near. Psalm 34, 15 through 17 says, The righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. In Isaiah 63, 9, it says, In all their afflictions, God was afflicted. That means when Israel went through times of pestilence and famine and need, that God was there and he was afflicted right along with them. There's this constant interaction between God and his people. Where is God? He's right there with you. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So God is here right now. God is love. Love always wants to be known, always wants to express itself in compassion, giving, helping, and blessing. So God wants to be seen and known. And again, I'll say the problem with prayer 
can often be God. It's the way that we view him. A lot of people find prayer impossible because they see God as like a Wizard of Oz figure or obscure and uncaring somewhere in the distance. But God is a father. Uh, What happens when you lose your shoe? Use some chutzpah with shameless, childlike, bold nerve. Say, God, help me. Uh, I'm in a time of need. I'm, I'm never going to think again that my trivial issues are, are too small for you to be concerned about, God. You might say it's disrespectful to ask in such a way. We, we can't use comical Yiddish words like chutzpah to describe prayer. We should be more reverent when we pray. Oh, really? One rabbi tells a parable about a king who had two daughters One was shameless in her persistence. The other was reverent and gracious. And when the bold one came in to request something, he said, give her what she wants so that she will get out of here. When the reverent daughter, the gracious daughter, came in to ask for something she needed, he lengthened his conversation with her. He enjoyed listening to her eloquent, inspiring request, and it took forever to get anything from her father. So one had chutzpah, and the other didn't. Do you think that God our Father would respond with answers to such words as chutzpah, bold tenacity? Well, we started this conversation in Luke chapter 11. And if you go to Luke chapter 11, uh, verse 5, Jesus said, And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine in his journey is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, another translation says importunity, he will rise and give him as many loaves as he needs. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be open unto you. For everyone that asks receives and he that seeks finds and to him that knocks so shall it be open. So Jesus is basically acting out this parable and for the listeners, the Jewish listeners, this was a comical parable because uh, it was customary when you would knock on your friend's door, it was Jewish hospitality that you would do everything you could in your power to give your neighbor the loaves of bread. So here's this guy saying, I don't want to come to the door. It's, it's midnight. I'm tired. Go away. But because of the neighbor's persistence, the man got up and uh, gave him what he needed. So this word persistence is the Greek word uh, anadia, and it means shameless raw nerve, brazen tenacity, bold perseverance, relentless diligence. But what was the Hebrew word Jesus used? Would you like to know? Are you sure? It'll change your entire perspective of God. And as I said earlier, often the problem with prayer is the way that we view God. If we view God as an austere God that doesn't 
care about our needs, well, we're, we're not going to bow the knee and, and ask for the things that we need. But if we see him as our Papa, our loving God, we'll come to him boldly into the throne of grace. We'll, we'll come with great persistence, uh, dedication, brass tenacity. And so the Hebrew word that Jesus used, are you ready, was the word chutzpah. He said, because of the man's chutzpah, the neighbor will rise and give him what he's asking for. Uh, I'm not asking a distant, uncaring God. I'm asking for the things I need. I'm bringing my request to a God that's very present, to my papa, to my, my, uh, my daddy, to my Abba. Uh, the Bible says that God neither slumbers nor sleeps. It means that he's 24-7 ready to meet our needs. The Bible says that when Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, he cried with loud and vehement cries. He was heard because of his cry to his father. And the Bible says he sweat uh, drops of blood. That's what you call some pretty heavy uh, chutzpah that Jesus was operating in as he cried out to God. And so this concept, chutzpah, the boldness in prayer, uh, to a loving father is a very Jewish Hebraic concept. The entire idea of crying out to God with a bold tenacity for justice uh, in your life, uh, to meet a need in your life may be a little strange for you. However, Jesus sets the precedent in Luke chapter 18. He sets the precedent in this passage of crying out is not only reasonable, but necessary in your resilience plan as you work your way through uh, this pandemic. And here's what Jesus said in Luke 18, verse 7. And shall not God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? Where did... Uh, we lose this concept of crying out to God for justice. As the early church grew and expanded across Europe, Greek philosophy began to infringe upon Hebraic thought, and the Hellenistic idea of dualism divided a person into two parts, spiritual and physical. Spirituality was somehow divorced from the physical world. Eventually, dualism gave way to asceticism and monasticism, and prayer became contemplative, non-verbal, non-visible, I'm sorry, non-physical and intellectual. But in Hebraic biblical thought, a person was one, body, soul, and spirit, and so prayer involved the whole person. Prayer was physical. The Jews lifted their voices, clapped their hands in praise, stood, laid in the ground, and cried out for justice. Prayer also involved the soul, because for the Hebrew, prayer was not only intellectual, but emotional. The spirit was not left out because prayer was meant to flow out of faith in one's heart. Jesus prayed like a Hebrew rather than a Hellenist. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before his crucifixion, his prayer was physical because he fell on his face and sweat drops of blood. His prayer involved the emotions of his soul because he said to his disciples, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful 
even to death. And his prayer came from the depths of his spirit because the scripture says, he in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, was heard because of his godly fear. That's in Hebrews 5.7. So Jesus prayed with chutzpah, and you and I can pray with chutzpah as well. And we'll continue on this subject uh, next time at Israel and You. And please go to our website, israelteam.org. You can help us in these upcoming events to stand with the Jewish people and Israel against this growing tide of anti-Semitism. We'd love to send you our our book, uh, Two Minute Warning with Coach Bill McCartney. Thanks for helping us. Go to israelteam.org.